For the first time since 1976, the Hyde Amendment has not been approved by the House of Representatives. For those of you who have not uh, heard yet about the Hyde Amendment, this is a bipartisan agreement that has to be renewed every single year that basically, in a nutshell, prevents us from forced taxpayer funding of abortions. And this has been an agreement that both uh, political parties have um, renewed every single year since 1976 until today, until now. And unfortunately, the House of Representatives decided that that was no longer a priority. The good news is that it still has to be passed by the Senate, so there's still time for us to pray that this would be renewed because since 1976, uh, 2.5 million lives have been saved because of this amendment. And in addition, our consciences have been saved by not being forced to pay for something that we wholeheartedly disagree with. So we do have to pray for this um, to continue the pro-life cause, but what this has done this past week as this has come to the news is that the pro-life argument has become even more heated. It's become even more um, uh, pulsed with, with anger, disagreement, animosity, with uh, sides becoming more and more extreme and more hatred from one side to the other. And we see a growing division in our society. And this is really just one example of many examples of division that we see in our world. Some of which is, of course, through politics. And I know many of us are just tired of the divisive politics, but even beyond politics, there's even division in our church. And even beyond the church, there's even division in our own homes. And we see the ugly head of division, unhealthy division, all over the place. And it begs the question, how in the world are we going to discover true unity? Is that even possible for our world? Or are we hopeless? Are we doomed? Today's second reading St. Paul continues with his letter to the Ephesians, and I mentioned last week that the letter to the Ephesians is a letter that St. Paul wrote in, in large part to paint a picture of what a church should look like for the church of Ephesus. And today he kind of touches on the themes of unity and peace, a theme of which I know that Almost in every area where we see strong division, I would be willing to bet that both sides strongly desire unity, but they disagree on the way to get there. But at the heart of what they really want, and not always, but usually at the heart of what both sides want is unity, but they don't know how. How are we supposed to find and discover true unity and peace without compromising what we know to be true and without compromising our faith. St. Paul says this, and, and I just have to preface this, every time St. Paul speaks, uh, it, it's just filled with so much meaning, it's so rich, and sometimes it's hard to, to, to keep up because he has a sentence that really should be, he has like, really should be seven sentences, but it's one sentence, so here we go, we're going to give it a try. 
But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have become near by the blood of Christ, he says. Look, I will continue. For Jesus is our peace, because he who made both one and broke down the dividing wall of enmity through his flesh, abolishing the law with its commandments and legal claims. So let me unpack that for a second. He says, Jesus is our peace. So we do know that peace has some kind of connection to Jesus Christ. He says, he, Jesus, who made both one, both, the two sides of a disagreement, one, and broke down the dividing wall of enmity through his flesh. Through his dying on the cross, Jesus has made the dividing wall broken and the two become one. So what is he talking about? In some sense, it sounds like he's just being metaphorical. You know, maybe he's just talking about how we very often put up walls in our life. Maybe you put a wall uh, between you and one of your, uh, and, and someone else, some kind of relationship. You have a strong boundary and we call that a wall. Or uh, we know that when a country wants to keep people out, they put up a wall. We know that uh, homeowners, when they want to keep strangers out of their yard, they put up a fence, a wall. So uh, perhaps Paul is just kind of speaking metaphorically, um, meanly, uh, namely saying that, you know, Christ breaks down barriers and now everybody can all be friends. But, but really what uh, St. Paul is talking about here is that in the first century B.C., there was a division. A very clear wall, a physical wall in the temple. And so unlike uh, today, how we have all kinds of Catholic church parishes, and you can kind of choose your flavor, back in the day there was one temple, one temple, and every single Jew would worship in that temple. But what if you were not necessarily born into the Jewish heritage? What if you were Greek or Roman or some other kind of Gentile? You were not Jewish, but what if you wanted to worship the God of Israel? They had those people there, the good, well-intentioned, God-fearing people that wanted to worship. And in the first century of A.D., at Jesus' time, they could only enter part of the temple. We called it the Court of the Gentiles. And there was a physical wall between the Gentiles and the rest of the Jews who were able to fully access the temple and worship in total freedom. There was a real division. And St. Paul is saying that by the blood and death of Jesus Christ, this wall has now been broken. That now, whether you're Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. All of us now have access to the one Jesus Christ, the one God of Israel, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so in this very real physical example, Christ has shown us now that there is a new creation. St. Paul says that he might create in himself one new Person. And anytime St. Paul uses the word new in all of his letters, he's talking about the new creation. And the new person is really the new temple. Jesus Christ is now the one in whom and through whom we worship. And so no longer do we worship in the temple, but now we have a new covenant where we worship in Jesus. 
and all have access to the one God, no matter what descent or ethnicity you come from. And so what we see in the Old Testament, God created the world, and it was good. But soon after he created the world, man chose to sin. Man chose to turn his back on God. And that man was Adam. And so there's this phrase, we would say that, that all those uh, in the Old Testament were in Adam. They were uh, under the authority of sin and death, that their life was, the, was being part of the effects of the sin of Adam. This was the old creation, the first creation, but Jesus Christ inaugurates a new covenant and therefore a new creation. So much so that you and I are no longer in Adam. We are in Christ. We are in Jesus because of our baptism, because in our baptism we died with Christ and rose again to him with new life. And so now we're no longer under the authority of sin and death. We no longer have to be slave to the victim of division. We no longer have to be caught up in our emotions and filled with hatred and anger and animosity and bitterness towards the people we disagree with. Although division still exists, and although the world very often just chooses Adam instead of Christ, we choose Christ. And we are beacons of hope because we know, as St. Paul tells us, that true unity comes from Jesus Christ alone. And if we desire a world that's more unified, if we desire a world where people are more kind to each other as we face these difficult issues, no matter how well-intentioned and how skilled we may be, we will fail without Jesus. Because St. Paul reveals to us the truth of the gospel, that it's only by the blood of Christ, the one body of Christ, the new temple, the new creation, and through his cross and resurrection that we discover new life. In other words, if we desire a world that truly has peace and unity, our only hope is in Jesus. And our only hope is to, first of all, have a conversion ourselves to be intimate with Jesus Christ. And, our, and we hope and pray that those that we disagree with would also have a true and authentic diver, uh, conversion to love Jesus Christ. So that together, as we passionately disagree about the ways to get to peace, we can both humbly submit to the one supreme God and in so doing come with humility, desiring and discovering the one truth, but also with a heart of compassion in recognizing both weaknesses of each side. So I guess my question for you today to consider is this. Where else do you see unhealthy division in your life? 
perhaps you see it within your own family. Or maybe you see it in your workplace. Unhealthy animosity and bitterness. Extreme opinions that severely disagree and have forgotten how to dialogue. Maybe you see it very clearly in national and global politics. Maybe you even see it inside the Catholic Church. Or perhaps, in addition, you might have noticed it in your own heart. Division is from Satan. It is not the language of the gospel. On the night before Jesus died, he prayed to God the Father that we would all be one, sanctified in truth, and united just as God the Father and God the Son are one. And if we desire a world that is more unified, a world that is more at peace, perhaps it begins with our own conversion. Imagine if we had an authentic conversion with Jesus Christ and lived a life that was so intimately involved with his love. Imagine how contagious that might be if we were all known for our intimacy with Jesus. Consider what that would be like if we have two extreme opinions disagreeing, but both not just saying they're Christian, not just claiming to be devout, but both passionately and intimately in love with Jesus Christ. Imagine how much more forward we would be able to move in these difficult discussions. It begins first with our conversion, and secondly with their conversion. But their conversion will be enhanced and impacted by our own conversion. So today we pray. We pray for peace. We pray for unity. We certainly pray for pro-life culture. But we also pray that our conversion would impact more conversions so that all of us together can be united not by a common enemy, but by the blood of Jesus Christ and the risen Jesus who is alive in our hearts.